God bless you. While you're standing, I turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 1. I have some great news for you. I wanted to let you know that one night only, Wednesday night, this week, Brother Mike Easter will be with us for our Wednesday night service. Amen. We're excited. Amen. That they are going to be with us on Wednesday night. He's come down to Orlando with his family on vacation, but Sister Easter insisted that they all load up in their minivan with all their kids and friends and drive to Palm Bay to be in church on Wednesday night. I said, well, if you're coming, you're preaching. Amen. We love Brother Easter. He's such a great guy. He's been a great friend and minister in this church and his family, his wife's in Bible quizzing. They're a great family. We're excited. They'll be with us Wednesday night. So you'll want to come and be in service on Wednesday night uh, to hear Brother Mike Easter. Amen. As you well know, there's no service tonight, but we're excited to have all of our satellite campuses with us. Let's give Sebastian a big hand. Satellite Beach, our Southwest campus, amen, and our Spanish campus, amen. We are so delighted for all of you that are here. We've already had a great service this morning, and uh, we're excited that you're with us for this second service, amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. In the next chapter, we read this group did journey back to Jerusalem and they came to the upper room where they began to pray and the Lord poured out the Holy Ghost. Here's what it sounds like. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. How many of you know when you're born, God gives you the breath of life. But when you're born again, he gives you the breath of his spirit. Oh, hallelujah. As of a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How do we know? Because they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'd like to speak this morning for a few moments in your hearing on this subject, the path to the upper room. The path to the upper room. God bless you for standing, and you may be seated. This passage of scripture reveals that the disciples were a bit stunned as Jesus ascended up into heaven on Mount Olivet. They were sort of like deer, you know, staring in the headlights as they just sort of looked up into the sky, looked up into where they last saw their Savior. It took two angels to come down and to remind them of their mission. The Bible said two men in white apparel, they were to return to Jerusalem as Jesus had instructed, but they were just sort of frozen. 
maybe reminiscing, maybe thinking about how great it would be if he would stick around a little while, maybe thinking about his ministry and, and all the things that they had experienced and the masses and the crowds that he had taught and, and the healing and those that were, had leprosy and were lame and blind and all that they had seen. Maybe it was just all sort of marinating in their brains, but they were just stuck there staring up into heaven. It reminds me whenever I was working in radio and was out at the Kennedy Space Center when the Challenger uh, shuttle blew up and it just blew up over our heads and it was just like there was just this pause and everybody was just frozen as we looked up into the space. Chris McCullough's parents were standing right behind me and I remember that look of horror on their face as their daughter was on that shuttle and that thing blew and then we saw parachutes and we thought maybe they had parachuted out but it was only the caps of those booster rockets that had detonated in the explosion and and then the screaming and the yelling and the hollering and the running and so forth. And then I remember after the press conference with the NASA officials and all the stuff that went on that were sort of subsequent events to that disaster, I can remember there were still dozens of people that were still standing out there just looking. It was nothing more than just a cloud that drifted down the space coast of where that shuttle had blown up. But it was like some people could not move beyond that because of the the, the enormous effect of this tragedy and, the, and it just literally paralyzed us as a nation and, and the people that were out there just stared at that cloud and looked at it and I thought about that as we looked at this story these men, these women, they were just staring not sure what to do and they had to be reminded this is not the end it is just the beginning I feel like saying to somebody this morning I don't know what you may have gone through this week but I've come to tell you it's not the end it's just the beginning. Yes, the miracles of Christ were amazing. Yes, the, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all of this is the foundation to our salvation. But you know what? There was still the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to come. There was still the establishment of the New Testament church. There was still an upper room that they were to walk to. There was still an outpouring of God's presence that was going to shake the world then as it is now. Almost 2,000 years later. It doesn't matter if you're in communist China. It doesn't matter if you're in Cuba or even in Vietnam. I've seen people in all three countries receive the outpouring of the Holy Ghost where the Word of God. God was free. Sometimes we go through things in life and it just sort of paralyzes us. And we find ourselves like a deer in the headlights just sort of trapped and caught in that moment, not sure what to do. I've come to tell you that God, hallelujah, is a finisher of our faith and he's going to take us to the next level. He will not leave you. He brought you into it, but he's going to take you out of it. Sometimes we got to be reminded like these guys did. Hey, the same Jesus which is taken up shall so return in like manner. Don't forget what your mission is. And so the Bible says that they were to go back to Jerusalem, that old part of Jerusalem where the city of David is, that upper room area. The upper room is commonly referred to as a room that, where they had the Last Supper before Jesus went to trial, before uh, Pilate. And so this was a room that perhaps they used in meeting. Maybe it was a upper room was a part of a house of someone that was friendly to the believers of Christ but whatever it was sort of a meeting place and they they made their way back there but the Bible says that it was a Sabbath day's journey from Mount Olivet. Mount Olivet was the place that Jesus had ascended and gone back up into heaven but now they were to go back to Jerusalem. Now there's something else that's in the works. Something's great. I'm going to tell you something. When you serve God tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday. 
And the next day is better than that day. You know, when you're not serving God and you're just living by the impulses of the flesh, it seems like every day there's a lot of fear and trepidation. But when you serve God, you get up in the morning, you can't hardly wait for another day. Oh, I'm so excited to see what God's going to do today. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, hallelujah. I think sometimes you got to remind yourself how blessed you are. you got to remind yourself that God still, he's still the wind beneath your wings. He's still got your back. Hallelujah. He's still working on your behalf. The Bible says this journey back to the upper room was a Sabbath day's journey. That wasn't really all that far. According to the Old Testament law on the Sabbath, they were to honor that, not, not uh, work too hard, not you know, walk too far. And so they had a, a certain distance that they called a Sabbath day's journey. It was about 6,000 feet. It was a little over a mile. And if they were to walk anywhere, they could go a little ways, but they didn't want them on long journeys. They didn't want to extend in that energy. And so they had this rule, this Sabbath day's journey. Isn't that awesome that God even honored that law from the upper room? Going from Mount Olivet to the upper room, it was only a Sabbath day's journey. You can get to the Holy Ghost and not violate any laws in the Word of God. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that Holy Ghost. I don't know if that's for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the fulfillment of the law of God. His word have I hid in my heart. The Bible says that we're epistles that's read by all men. That means that when that word is written in our heart, it is the spirit of God. The Bible talked about it being written on fleshly hearts of tablets. That means that when the word of God comes to us, it is the spirit that's combined with truth that gives us access into the throne room of grace. That's why we know it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. But I believe so many times, really good people who love Jesus, they sort of get stuck at just looking at the cross. They sort of get stuck on just looking at the mountain and looking to the past. And they never make the journey to the upper room. They're good people. They love God. They've got a relationship with Christ. They know the Lord as their personal Savior. But I've come to remind you, as these two men in white apparel did, it's still time to make our way to the upper room because God's got a gift for you. And it's the outpouring of the Spirit of God. We just sort of get stuck there, just sort of looking back and, and reminiscing. But what we have to understand when it comes to Christ, we understand that it's through, the Bible says, his death, burial, and resurrection that we're saved. Of course, the death of Christ is repentance, and we know how important that is. The burial is baptism in Jesus' name. If salvation is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, wouldn't it make sense that baptism, the burial, as Roman tells us in 6 and 4, for with him we are buried in baptism into death that we shall arise in newness of life. It's in the name of Jesus that we're baptized. And then the resurrection of Christ, which is that resurrection spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, which is what they felt in the upper room. It was that resurrection power that gave them authority. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know what that means? That when you get the Holy Ghost, you got resurrection power. You may have had a bad day. You may have had a bad week. You may have had a bad life. But if you've got the Holy Ghost, you can pull yourself back up again 
and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, hallelujah. And the good news for all of us today is that it's not very far away. It's a really short journey. You say, but old preacher, I've done too much. I've committed too many sins. I've come to tell you that God's telling you it's a really short trip to get to the upper room. It's not far at all. Oh, I know sometimes it seems far. I mean, it seems like 100 miles to get from where you're sitting to an altar. Pastor gives the altar call at the end of a service, and you look down there, and it's like, whoa. You're reminded of all of your mistakes and things you've done. The enemy sits up on your shoulder and says, well, you better not go down that altar and act like a hypocrite and throw your hands in the air and worship God. I know what you did this week. I know who you are. I know the mistakes you've made. And you look down that aisle, and it looks like a big gangplank on a pirate ship, and it's so scary. And you think, I don't think I can do it. I've come to tell you, it's a short trip. It's just a Sabbath day's journey. It's just a few short steps on a Sunday morning service to get to the upper room. Oh, here I come, Lord. I'm not staying stuck in my problems and in my fears and in my trepidation and in my uncertainty any longer. I'm going to make the journey because God's got Holy Ghost power. It's still available for us today. It's a short trip. Just a Sabbath day's journey. The Bible describes some of the people that were there, and it's like a who's who of Pentecost. Peter and James and John, I think of them as the big three. But also the Bible says Andrew and Philip and Thomas. It even says Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, if Mary, the mother of Jesus, who had to be a good lady, God chose her above everyone else. She was there in the upper room. I often tell people if Mary needed the Holy Ghost, don't you think you and I need the Holy Hello. She was there. And I thought about some of these people that were there, and I thought that their names tell a story about how they allowed God to direct their lives. First of all, look at Peter. I think Peter's life was one of those bricks in the path that led to the upper room. We know that Peter was there, but I think that Peter stands for repentance because Peter had denied the Lord as they approached the trial of Jesus and fear was running rampant but through the resurrection and the events that follow Peter got back on track I love that when Jesus was resurrected hallelujah Peter had some trouble he wasn't there necessarily at the cross he ran in 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 shame maybe when he when his eyes connected with Christ after he had denied that he even knew who the Lord was and that he was a follower of Christ as he warmed his hands there on the fire out there in the courtyard of Caiaphas the high priest house where they were having a trial and he warmed his hands you're Peter oh you're with the you're one of the disciples of Christ no no maybe it was fear I don't know what it was but then they brought Christ through the courtyard and his eyes turns and looks at Peter and Peter's eyes turns and looks at him and the shame and the condemnation and then the few days that followed that he said I go a fishing and I'm going back to my old profession I don't understand all this I don't know what's going on and what's supposed to end this way but when the Lord come up out of the tomb on the third day he said where's Peter where's Peter you see, Peter, before the Lord had gone to the cross, he had asked Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Oh, Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. Three times he asked him. Peter knew that he loved Christ, but he had to get a revelation that Christ loved him. I'm so thankful that Peter made his way back to the Lord. Peter, Jesus is resurrected. What? And he's asking for you. For me. 
me in the courtyard. He knows what I did. I denied him. I messed everything up. When they came to take Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter took out his sword and with man's flesh, with his own power, he tried to fight for Christ. He had a great heart. But he was still learning how to operate in the Spirit. He took his sword out and he whacked off that servant's ear. I think he was swinging for his neck. And the Lord said, Peter, put your sword away. And he reached down there and picked up the man's ear. And just put it right back on the guy's head. You guys remember that Mr. Potato Head man that we used to have as kids? It had lips and ears and had a little hat you could put on it. I just pictured the Lord just going, putting that ear right back on his head. Peter, that's not the way it's going to be done. What are you talking about, Lord? I don't know. I mean, Peter must have, you ever feel like everything you try to do, it doesn't work out right? That must have been how Peter felt. But you know what? Peter was in the upper room. He was the spokesman. He was the preacher. I mean, it's one thing to feel like, man, I hope God, you know, will forgive me. It's another thing for God to say, not only do I forgive you, but you're going to be the preacher. Say what? I think Peter's life shows repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you that you don't get to the upper room without going through repentance and getting a revelation that Jesus loves you in spite of your past, in spite of your mistakes, in spite of all the junk you've been through. I've come to tell you that God not only loves you, he's got a calling for you. He's got a destiny for you. Oh, I feel something in the Holy Ghost. God's wanting to let you know that he's got something great for you. You've got to get a revelation that he loves you. He's fighting for you. He believes in you. Oh, hallelujah. This past week we were up here for this National Bible Quiz tournament and had some people come up to me. It just caused my heart to just do flip-flops. One fellow came up to me. He lives in Oklahoma now, but he used to live in Alabama. And he said, you probably don't remember, it was about 30 years ago, but you were preaching a revival in Mobile, Alabama, Brother Lewis's church. He said, I was an eight-year-old kid. And he said, I had gone through uh, my family. My parents were getting divorced. My family was busting up. And he said, they started bringing me to church on a bus. And he said, I was eight years old, and you came through preaching. He started telling me different sermons that I had preached during that revival. And I remembered the sermons. He said, it was in that revival that as an eight-year-old kid, he said, the Lord touched my heart, and I made up my mind I was going to serve God. The Lord put his arms around me even though I was a troubled kid and from a busted up home. He said, I remember the Lord letting me know that if I'd stick with him, he'd be with me. He said, that's been over 30 years ago. He said, I'm married, hallelujah. I'm an usher in our church in Oklahoma. He said, I'm on the board. He said, I've got kids. They're Bible quizzers, and we're serving God and loving God. But he said, it was an eight-year-old kid who had to get a revelation that Jesus still, oh, my friend, God's got something for you. If you can get a revelation, you can get to the upper room. Another guy came up to me. He said, I pastor in North Dakota. Do you remember me? I said, I remember your face. He said, uh, I was in Palm Bay. I was in your church in August. And uh, he said, my wife and I were there. And 
we were there with our daughter. I said, that's right, I remember your daughter you're with, and you sat right in the middle just to this side. And he said, yes, yeah, he said, that was, and you came back and, and you prayed for my daughter. I said, I remember that, I remember that. He said, well, you preached a message on the prodigal son, and he said, my daughter had been backslid for several years, and he said, we brought her to that service. She agreed to come to that service, and we were down here. She's living in Florida. We wanted to come down there and, and be with you, and he said, you came back and prayed for her. And I said, how's she doing? He said, you won't believe what happened. I said, tell me. He said, after that service, we went home. She started praying. He said, in the house, we prayed back through to the Holy Ghost. He said, she's living over in Tampa now, going to Brother Davies' church at New Life. And he said, the Davies have opened up their heart and their home. She comes to stay at their house. They got her in a Bible study. She's on fire for God. She's teaching Bible studies. She's come back into the church. He said, it started at that service. Oh, I feel like telling somebody today. God loves you. I don't care what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what problems you faced or the mistakes you've made. There is a path to the upper room and it goes through repentance. Oh, why don't we lift our hands right now and just love the Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you never gave up on us, Lord. You never gave up on us, Lord. You kept reaching for us, God. And even now, Lord, we feel you calling us back to the upper room. It all starts with getting that revelation that Jesus loves you. But then the Bible also tells us that there was a fellow there by the name of Thomas. I know that sometimes we refer to Thomas as Doubting Thomas. But I, I, like, to, I like to call him Faithful Thomas. <laughs> Thomas was one of those that had a hard time believing Jesus had resurrected. But the, in fact, he said it, maybe he even said it with a bit of pride. or I don't know what the spirit was behind it because the Bible didn't say, but he said, I, I'm not going to believe it until I can put my fingers in, his, in the nail prints of his hands. And they were all gathered together in a group and the Lord just appeared unto them. Here's what I like. Here's what I saw about this bishop this morning I hadn't seen before. Even though Thomas was having a faith crisis, he was still gathering together with the brothers and sisters. He kept on going to church. He didn't say, I don't believe it. I'm going to sit home by myself. He said, I, I, I can't believe. But when they were all gathered together, Thomas was there. Thomas got his revelation because he was gathered together with God's people. I've come to tell you, you may be having a faith crisis, but if you keep coming to church and you keep on believing, you'll get your revelation in the church. In the church, in the church. That's where the Lord appeared to him. In the midst of the crowd, he appeared to him and said, Thomas, come on, feel the nail prints in my hands. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's just another brick on the path to the upper room. And that's faith. You got to believe. I learned a long time ago that if you need a healing in your body, if you want the favor of God in your life, you got to believe. You got to believe that the Lord is a faithful God. And what he's brought you through in the past, he's going to bring you through in the future. Friday morning, we were having a devotion with our, with our uh, Bible quizzers as they were preparing to the quiz on the, the championship game. And I felt the night before the Lord just give me a thought about how he wants to be a finisher of the victory. I don't know about you folks, but I'm glad I got a God that doesn't just start you out on something and then leave you. But he's a finisher of the victory. 
He didn't just bring the children out of Egypt. He brought them through the Red Sea. He didn't just bring them through the Red Sea. He brought them through the wilderness. He didn't just bring them through the wilderness. He brought them over the Jordan River. He didn't just bring them over the Jordan River. He brought the walls of Jericho down. Maybe you've come through the water and maybe you're in the wilderness or maybe you've crossed over Jordan. But I've come to tell you that what God has brought you through, He will complete the work. He will complete the victory. You may be facing walls right now, but the same God that saved you and brought you out of sin is going to bring those walls down. You may be facing something right now that seems insurmountable, but those walls are going to come down because God is a finisher. Hebrews says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's a finisher. But then Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Ladies and gentlemen, finishing our course, finishing the victory, requires not only God being a finisher, but it requires you having faith also. I'm going to get to the finish line. I'm not going to just stop here. I said I'm going to get to the finish line. Yes, God can finish the victory, but your faith is also required to finish the course. God's forgiven you. you got to forgive yourself. Come on, somebody. God said, I'll save you. you got to believe God will save you. God said, I'll pour out, your, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. you got to believe he'll pour out his spirit upon you. Faith is a combination. The Bible said if any two or three agree together, you've got to believe that God is able. You've got to believe that God loves you. You've got to believe that God has a plan for your life and that God cares about every seemingly insignificant detail of your life. So we know it takes repentance represented by Peter's life. We know it takes faith represented by Thomas's life. But then I love Mary. I'm so glad the Bible says that Mary was in the upper room. Perhaps the most interesting person of all, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She even made the trip from Mount Olivet down there to the upper room. And she received this promise, this resurrection power. Mary received the Holy Ghost because the Bible says the 120 that were gathered there all received his spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And when you look at the life of Mary, you see that she was a person given to praise. When you read about how she worshiped God, and and you see how that she tapped into something like David of the Old Testament did, who worshiped God with all of his heart. When you read Luke 146, when she was now pregnant with the Messiah, and she goes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, and she begins to tell, and there's a confirmation, and something happens in the Holy. Oh, how many of you know that when faith comes together with praise, it's an internal combustion that takes place, and you feel that God is in this. She believed, but then when she got her cousin, her cousin told her about John the Baptist and the promise. And the Bible says in Luke 1:46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Even little old baby John the Baptist, who was still in the womb. Elizabeth said, When you come up in the house and you saluted me and said hello, she said, The babe in my stomach leaped for joy. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Something happens within you. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take your granddaddy's word for it. You can know God for yourself when the word of God is planted in your heart and it's mixed with faith and worship. 
something leaps within us. Something jumps for joy. Oh, I feel it in this house right now. Stand to your feet. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary was a worshiper. I have found that when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the upper room experience, it comes through worship. That's another brick in the path that leads to the upper room. The heart that worships somehow positions itself for the Holy Ghost. It opens the door of your heart. So many things that happen in life, ladies and gentlemen, closes the door of our heart. We're hurt. Rejection closes another nail. We nail it shut. Never am I going to be hurt again. When you begin to worship God, it's like the door. It's like the tomb that held Christ. It just, it just opens up. And ladies and gentlemen, when you approach the throne room of God with worship, you open up your heart and spirit to receive from the Lord. That's why people that receive the Holy Ghost, they don't receive the Holy Ghost covered up. They receive the Holy Ghost opening up their heart and their mind. Yes, it takes repentance. Yes, it takes faith. But it's when God's people begin to worship the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Mary didn't understand everything that was going to happen. She didn't even probably understand everything that was going on. How were people going to believe that she was pregnant and it had been a supernatural experience? Who's going to believe that? She faced a crisis in human terms, but she said, my soul doth magnify me, my heart, I rejoice in, who am I that you would consider me? Ladies and gentlemen, when you begin to worship God like that, there's nothing that can stop, hell can't stop, nothing in life can stop the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in your life, and I believe that every single person in this building right now not only do you need the Holy Ghost, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to look at him dead in the eye. Turn and face him. And I want you to ask him this question. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Now I want you to ask him this. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. <laughs> That's the evidence. Amen. Sometimes we think, well, the Lord's filled me with the Spirit of God. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll know it. It will bear fruit. And the Bible tells us in Acts 2 and in Acts 10 and in Acts 19, when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the others. Here's what I want you to do now. I want you to take that neighbor by the hand, and I want you to bring him down to the altar right now. Come on, let's come from all over the building. Take him by the hand right now. Say, come on. If they say yes, say it's time to get a refilling. That's right. Everybody's going to come together. We're making the trip right now to the upper room. Come on, it's just a few short steps. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I see young people taking adults by the hand. That's powerful. Take them by the hand. Here we come. We're going to the altar right now. We're going to the altar. God's got something great for us. Come on, we're not going to get stuck over there at Mount Olivet. We're going to make the journey. Come on, here we come. We're going to make our way down. Press down just as much as you can. There's still room. People are coming in the aisles. We're going to come down here all together. And we're going to experience an outpouring of the Spirit of God. This is going to be just like the upper room was. Are you ready? Hallelujah! Let's give them some more time. People are coming. Just come on down as close as you can. If you can't get all the way to the altar, just come out in the aisles. This is so beautiful. Isn't the Lord good? You can feel His Spirit. Come on, let's give a few more minutes. Here they come. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, just push toward the front. There's going to be people that are going to be praying with you. You're going to receive a gift today. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Say Christmas in July. God's got a gift for you right here in the middle of the summer. Amen. Oh, isn't the Lord good? Lift our hands and worship as we lift your holy name. For you are great. You do miracles. Bless you, Lord. Everybody that's in the aisle or in the altar, here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to pray a prayer of repentance. It's like we said today, we got to go through repentance. I want you to just bow your head right now. And in your own words, like you would talk to your best friend, just say, Lord, forgive me. If I've said anything, if I've done anything, any sin, Lord. You say, well, pastor, I can't think of anything. Just say, Lord, forgive me of any sin of my thought life or any way I've not reacted Christ-like or things, Lord, that are in my past. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of every sin. Cleanse me right now. Wash me as white as snow. Cleanse my heart and my mind. Oh, God, I believe, Lord, that if I ask you, you would forgive us. We need you, oh, God. We're asking you, Lord, to forgive us of every sin. Cleanse our heart right now in the name of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, of every sin. Wash my mind, Lord. Wash my heart. Wash my spirit. Let everything be pure before you, O oh Lord. Lord, we are lost without you, God. We've made mistakes, Lord. We have stumbled and fallen. But Lord, I believe that you have forgiven me, Lord, and I say thank you. I say thank you, Lord, that you still cleanse us by the blood of the Lamb that still flows from Calvary. Thank you for your cleansing power, Lord. Thank you for your cleansing power, Lord. How many of you believe the Lord's heard your prayer and He's forgiven you? And the next thing we've got to do is believe. If you believe that the Lord heard your prayer and forgave you of every sin, would you raise your hand? You believe that God's forgiven you? Isn't that powerful? Oh, it's so beautiful. 
This is another upper room right here. Amen. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn and look at your neighbor and say, do you believe that God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost right now? Not do you believe God is able. Do you believe God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost right now? This very moment. Amen. If they say yes, say get ready to receive a miracle. I'm going to tell you what, folks. I've seen people healed. I've seen marriages healed. I've seen people get their houses back and their jobs back. And the moment that they get the Holy Ghost, God can do it all. Hallelujah. In one moment of time. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive. Now, are you ready to receive the Spirit of God? I said, are you ready to receive the Spirit of God in your life? Are you ready to receive the Holy Ghost? you believe this is still a latter-day upper room? Hallelujah! Here's what we're going to do. You believe that God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. We know from the Word of God that the evidence of that is that you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. People are already getting the Holy Ghost in our deaf community. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your hands. That's saying, Lord, I surrender. Not my will, but thy will be done. This is what opens up your heart and your mind to the Lord. Now I want you to open your mouth. And I want you to begin to shout hallelujah just as loud as you can. That's it, that's it. Louder than you've ever prayed. Hallelujah means the highest praise. That's it, it shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Ghost. That's it, begin to speak it out. You got it, that's the Holy Ghost right there. Holy Ghost! You feel like a fire. Speak it out! You feel like a fire. Get out of my bosom! 
yes, yes. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. Fire. 